Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at Benny Blackburn on Twitter. Sorry, I stuttered just listening to the things in my ears uh, come up just now. Uh, I am joined by a very special guest. He is a fantastic Nuggets fan, general NBA draft analyst. Uh, as part of your background at St. John's, I believe, just, just like some of the stuff you've wanted to do draft coverage-wise. But uh, it is CT Fazio 24 on Twitter. CT, how are you doing, my friend? Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, second year in a row now, so i uh, got a nice little uh, streak going on. Um, no, I'm doing well. I'm still riding high off the, the Nuggets championship. Uh, and, you know, draft week's always something that I, I look forward to every year. Um, you know, trying to, to bring great draft coverage as well. So um, I think the Nuggets are in a pretty interesting spot coming off a championship, you know, seeing how they could could reload. But uh, I think last year was more pressure uh, than this year. So nice to kind of relax a little bit. But, you know, the work never stops. So looking forward to, to talking draft with you and, and looking forward to Thursday as well. Well, pressure, pressure, and lack of it is is definitely one way to put it. That's a you do it, you do it for the championship, and that's always something the Nuggets fans have never had the opportunity to really talk about before. It's just, hey, what what does it actually look like when you when you win a title? What does it actually feel like, and what does the off season following that feel like? Because I'm not gonna lie, there's very little pressure on my end. I I am still. Uh, trying to figure out how to motivate, still trying to figure out like, hey, what do you, what do you even get up for in the morning at this point? If you you already got the ring on your finger, like that's that's all it is. But exactly, uh, it, it is it is really cool to be on this side of things for sure. I'm sure all Nuggets fans can can relate to that too. Uh, but we've got plenty of time here to. We're probably going to go for about an hour, just kind of previewing the NBA draft. We'll start at the top. Uh, talk about some of the top tier prospects stuff like Nuggets fans. You're, you're just going to want to be familiar because I know for me personally, it's, it's taken me a long time to kind of get into that frame of mind for the NBA draft. It was like three days ago. And I was really like, cool. I'm, I'm now uh, freshly done with the parade. And I, I think a lot of Nuggets fans feel very similarly, but uh, now we're going to, we're going to start revisiting the top of the draft in the first segment, kind of that, late first round area second segment we can talk about a report from mike singer in that time and then the second round where denver has their 37th and 40th overall picks in that third segment so should be fun should be a good process for sure uh but i i knew i couldn't do this with anybody else man because you've you've got the the i think the most important factor here uh is that you're both a Nuggets fan, and you are also an NBA draft uh, guru, a specialist, somebody who's, whose opinion I trust on evaluating talent and evaluating prospects. Just what was that process like uh, initially for you and then just beginning to learn how to cover it and, and trying to balance the two? Yeah, definitely, for sure. I, I think uh, they're actually both intertwined as well. Um, I think following the Nuggets for as long as I have, uh, you know, starting in 2014, I actually started my draft coverage. Funny enough, was the year uh, the Nuggets drafted Nikola Jokic. But I was did actually... you have Nikola Jokic in the first round? I, I just want to know. <laughs> I did. I did not, unfortunately. So I can't. Oh. I can't put that one on my resume. But uh, I will. I will sign Gary Harris though. So that one, I'll, I'll take a little there credit for. So that that was cool. But um, yeah, since 2014, I've been uh, you know, doing draft uh, you know, analysis, um, you know, write ups and and different things like that. Um, it's been pretty cool to see how the league has changed over that time as well. And I think Jokic is at the forefront of that, um, you know, especially for bigs. Um, so it's been cool to see, you know, how the progression has kind of, you know, come about throughout the years. But, yeah, I've always just been interested. I'm a college basketball fan as well. So I think, like, the three are really intertwined as far as, like, seeing progressions from, you know, a player in college and then, you know, rising up the ranks. Like, someone like Jamal Murray like, had a really cool story. Like, MPJ, the same thing, where he didn't play in college, and then he, you know, comes to the NBA, and he, he really shows out and, and does well. You know, obviously, there were other factors aside, but just been really cool to see, you know, even like Aaron Gordon, someone who was, a, uh, you know, a high recruit at Arizona, he comes into the Nuggets, and 
I wouldn't even say he's like a, a role player, but he's somebody who's coming to be a really high level starter and kind of molded his game to become a championship piece. Like we saw, you know, in the past couple of weeks. So that's just always been, you know, really interesting for me, you know, getting into that and seeing, you know, the progression and, and kind of the come up of different players and, you know, how they elevate to stardom or role players and things like that. So the whole process has always been something that's, that's pretty appealing to me. Oh, for sure. And like, I, I always thought about the, the team building process and, and sure. having uh, just, just not, not necessarily a background, but it's one of the reasons why I went to sport management, uh, to school for sport management was I wanted to uh, put myself into a position where I could try to become like a, a GM one day or, or somebody in the position of a basketball front office or a football front office or something like that. And obviously my, my path went in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to, but um, that that's, that's definitely an appealing part just to have, have some say in that, but no, it was really good stuff. And I am very excited to, to be able to get into this and we got to start at the top, my friend, we got to start at the top uh, with the big fella, uh, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, a lot of hype. He's the thumbnail on this podcast. And for obvious reasons, uh, just, just one of the, most insane prospects I think we've ever seen come out of the draft. Uh, you, you take a look at this thing. How does he compare to previous top prospects in your mind? Yeah, I think he's definitely right there at the top. You know, I've seen comparisons to, to LeBron James, you know, being, you know, the highest ranked prospect since LeBron. I, I would kind of disagree with that. In my opinion, I think Luka Doncic uh, should be in that conversation as well. Just seeing how, you know, how good Luka's gone. And the thing with Luka is like, he's a sure thing now, right? Like, Sure. At the draft, you know, it was, it was a thing where it was like, is he going to be the number one? Is he going to be number two pick? And then, um, you know, he comes out. Which, to- by the way, <laughs> it was still an insane conversation to have back in 2018. What Ridiculous. were the Sacramento Kings and Phoenix Suns thinking? It's just un- unbelievable that they like, that it was even a consideration for anybody else. But continue. That was crazy for sure. So I, I think um, like Zion Williamson would be in that in that kind of realm as well. I, I would probably take Victor over him for sure, uh, just because Zion has um, you know a lot of injury issues and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, Victor for me is right there at the top. You know, he's going to be a defensive game changer. Uh, that's the appeal for me. You know, especially you know coming into the league, someone who's seven five who has that type of mobility on the perimeter, being a shot blocker. Uh, you know, playing around the rim is just something that you don't you don't really see at all. It's not a commonality. Um, so I think off the bat, like his defense is going to be really good. I think his offense is going to uh, quickly catch up. But he's basically a seven-five wing that can do things that a, a big could do, which is just really scary to think about uh, from the defensive side of the ball. And he could shoot. You know, he could, um, you know, block shots. He could he could pass the ball as well. And it's just, um, especially being someone who's going to be in, in Greg Popovich's system, I think there's no better fit uh, for a prospect like him to get the best and to maximize that potential um, down the line. How concerning do you think are the injuries and just just the frame? Uh, because that that's if you're if you're going to knock anything about Wembenyama and just like his ability to translate to the NBA, we just saw this with Chet Holmgren last year. Like the, there's there is a possibility that somebody like that can can get injured, and with the the lower body injuries that generally come with really tall dudes, he plays a little bit of a different position. He is a little bit less of a, a physical game than it was for. These these last even these last 10, 15 years, but I still I would have concerns if I were a team. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Especially somebody at that size. Like you said, Chet Holmgren is someone who missed his whole rookie year due to a foot injury. Um, and I was actually pretty high on Chet last year as a prospect, but no, definitely for sure. You know, injury concerns is always a part of it, and that's like the unknown variable when you're doing draft analysis and it's like you can't really factor in. Um, you know, same thing with Zion, same thing with with MPJ. It's just like you didn't know if those guys were really gonna be that durable um you know to kind of live up to that ranking that you have um you know on your draft board so i think it's a concern for sure but i think the talent is too tantalizing too uh too much potential for someone like that for me to really have a concern that i would pick him somewhere else other than at the top of the draft well let's talk about the rest of the the top tier Uh, scoot henderson is the guy that i think the personal like guy that I, i thought would be the second overall pick. There was obviously some uh, various discussions about Brandon Miller, even the Thompson twins. Uh, seems like uh, Cam Whitmore is making, making a little bit of a push here. Uh, I always thought that like based off of previous conversations, like before this year actually happened, that Scoo Henderson was definitely the guy at two, like behind Wembenyama. Uh, am I wrong about that? It just, just that's, that was sort of the feeling just, just from afar. 
Uh, but he seems like a, an incredible talent, somebody that any team would be extremely lucky to have. Why are the why are the Hornets not like? Are they messing around it too? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a smokescreen, to be honest with you. Um, I think Scoot's the guy number two. I think even a Lamelo Ball and a Scoot Henderson backboard would be really good. I think they, those guys can play off each other. Um, you know, Lamelo could is pretty good catch and shoot shooter. Um, you know, obviously with the ball in his hands, but I think both of those guys could be interchangeable. Um, you know, in that aspect. But yeah, for Brandon Miller, for me, I it was someone who I'd never really envisioned having it at two. Um, just the rim numbers are not uh, very promising. He shot 39% at the rim this year for for a wing. Is is in a spaced out system like him with Alabama really runs like a, an NBA style offense, and uh, I think that's a bit concerning. Um, I do have Brandon Miller at three, but I just think the number is definitely definitely a bullet point to to you know to watch. Um, but skew for me, especially with the reports coming out that he's six four now and that he grew, I think that at six four, you know, being a point guard like that, being a little bit bigger. Um, you know, he's a really physical player, great playmaker. Um, the shot is definitely the question, but I think he's got good mechanics and um, 34%, which is not – it's not terrible, but, I mean, it's not really that great. Um, and, again, Brandon Miller, for me, is just – he's more of a wing type that people are saying, you know, is he Paul George or is he going to be someone like – or could he be Jabari Smith? And, um, you know, I think that's that's the question with Brandon Miller. But for Scoot, for me, I just think – Having a lead guard like that who's that dynamic in the open floor, someone who can run, who can make really high level pick and roll reads, um, is something where that kind of is the differentiator for me as far as having Scoot uh, above Brandon Miller in that in that two to three range. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like I, he seems like the safest option just based off of what we what we've seen with a lot of wings. Where uh, Jabari Smith, I, I don't know what he's ultimately going to develop into, but there, there's at least some some theory with with him and Brandon Miller being kind of kind of similar types, similar big bodies. Where uh, if 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 the efficiency isn't there, then what are they actually doing? Is is really a really an important conversation there? Um, I like Scoot. I think he he seems like. <laughs> the personality and, and like, you, like you see some of the pictures that come out or you see like how he carries himself and there's, there's a lot of confidence there, but not necessarily in the way of like audaciousness and like, like complete assholery there. There's, it's more of just uh, a, a confident dude who knows how good he is and wants to prove it to the rest of the world. Um, and, and it seems like a, a really interesting piece to kind of uh, really prop up a team. Um other guys at the top, you mentioned Brandon Miller. Cam Whitmore is a guy that we talked about. The Thompson Twins are the guys we talked about. I was trying to go back and find your draft board just to see if I could find just just to reference it. You have Brandon Miller at three. Who would you have at kind of that four, five, six, seven range? Yeah, I haven't actually published um, a final one. I usually do periodic ones throughout the year, but I've just been so so busy that I haven't been able to. Yeah, the Nuggets won a title, man. That's that's why I keep telling people. (laughs) That's it. Do I need the draft board? or I mean, because the Nuggets won the title, so – um, but I will have one out tomorrow, the final board out tomorrow. Um, yeah, Whitmore's a guy I really like at the top of the draft. Um, another guy I really like is Anthony Black from Arkansas, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like a jumbo initiator, really tall at, at six, five ish, six, six. Um, actually, I think he's closer to six, seven now, which is pretty, pretty, uh, wow. you know, pretty great to see. Yeah. Um, a guy who's not really the greatest shooter, but really, really good playmaker. His defense is really good at the point of attack for a point guard. And, someone who I think could guard one through three, um, really was able to kind of make do at Arkansas without great spacing. Um, he had a lot of guys you know, on the perimeter who just weren't great shooters, and he was able to to really make good pick-and-roll reads, You know, good defender. Um, Washington's uh, a target for him. I heard they really like him. Um, and then Cam Whitmore as well, someone I really like, Villanova guy. I've seen him a bunch in person, um, you know, being on the East Coast. Uh, power wing, um, really, really physical. Um, a guy I think could be really uh, potent, especially in the half court, as far as a driver. Um, the, again, the shooting is developing. That's that's kind of like the theme at the top of this draft, other than um, like Victor's like, are there any really like standout shooters? Um, and I think Whitmore is a guy who could get to be a really good shooter, but just someone who's a power wing who I really, really like. And um, one day who I think could be a pretty good score as maybe like a, a two option, uh, which would okay. be pretty good at the top of the draft. So um, yeah, Anthony Black, Cam Whitmore, those two guys are, are really, really high up on my board. And then the Thompson Twins as well. You know, two guys, again, can't really shoot that well, but really, really dynamic defenders, like best-in-the-class perimeter defenders, like really game-changing, I think, when they come into the league. And um, good playmakers as well, really athletic. So I think that's that's kind of the theme at the top of the draft. Athletes, good defenders, playmakers, that's what you're going to find uh, in that range. 
I wanted to ask you about the Thompson twins and just like, what's the biggest differentiator between the two? Because when you, when you have twins come into the draft like that, like Marcus and Markeith Morris were, are the two that really stand out. Their games were so similar at the time and they're very similar sized and had a very distinctly similar look that like, it was hard to differentiate when, when evaluating them back in the day. So how, how would you differentiate uh, Amen and Nassar Thompson? Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, Amen, both of those guys are, are probably around like a little below six, seven. Um, mm-hmm. But Amen for me, I'm, I'm higher on him just as far as, uh, you know, a guy who can answer the paint, really good defender, um, good rebounder as well. And also is someone who I think I don't trust the jump shot as much as Amen. I think he's, I think Amen has higher, higher ceiling as far as just an all-around player and um also the shooting for me is just I don't I don't know if he's going to get to be that reliable where the skill set's going to all mesh together um but amen for me I just I really like the baseline of skills that he has I, I like both guys to be honest with you but I, I think I buy amen more as a shooter um a playmaker and someone who's just a really really good defensive game changer um and it's just the fact that I think just I value amen more than Osar in in general um, but both guys I think are going to pan out to be really, really good, really good players. I love it. Um, who's a guy in that kind of late lottery area that you would you would stake your claim as like this guy has top five of the draft potential? Like he's he should be ranked higher. Yeah, I think um, great question. I think Kobe Bufkin's a guy I really like in that range. I I actually have in the top ten right now. He's kind of uh, mocked toward that later lottery range. Uh, someone at Michigan who's you know a sophomore. Um, someone I think really improved from his, uh, from his last year, um, guy could really put pressure on the rim, you know, 14 points a game, 36% from three, um, someone who played off the ball a little bit at Michigan, but I really like his ability. I think to transform into a point guard, um, you know, Jamal Murray in college was basically playing off guarding it with Tyler Eulis and Isaiah Briscoe. I think Kobe Bufkin, the same thing where it's like, you can make that transition to, uh, to being a point guard and, and Bufkin's had a lot of uh, pick and roll opportunities, but I think once you get in the league, it's just really a steady diet of pick and rolls. And uh, I think Bufkin's a guy who could really be dynamic as far as, you know, stop and go ability his pick and roll, uh, you know, capabilities that he has as well. And I think you know, a guy at six, six, uh, I think he could guard, uh, you know, ones, twos, and maybe even threes. Um, but I just really like his ability to be a dynamic guard, especially at the point guard slot um, in his transition when he gets to the league. Okay, six six. I, I'm trying to recall the actual highlight tapes of these guys that I was. They're all blending together because I'm trying to cram as much in as I possibly can. There was a lefty that reminded me kind of of Jalen Brunson that I thought was Kobe Bufkin. Uh, is he? Who is there a lefty in this draft that I'm, I'm like completely missing? Um, I, I have no idea. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, either way, let's. Uh, let's Jalen Hood, Shafano, he's not necessarily a lefty, but he kind of plays similarly to Jalen Brunson. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's that's that a name to watch, guy. folks. Because he's like, that's one that I haven't heard a ton of. Uh, and just, just seems like, hey, if you're capable and if you if you can handle the ball and run an offense, then like you're, you're probably okay because this draft is so wing heavy and there's so many like wings and forward types and everybody wants wings. Everybody wants versatility. And we're going to get to the versatility that the Nuggets probably want too, but there's probably a, at least a gap there, or at least like a, a an opportunity for a team that if you want the guard or if you want the big, then you probably, if you identify the right one, you could probably get them. Um, teams to watch uh, real quick. We Portland at three, obviously is one that I'm thinking about. Uh, New Definitely. Orleans at 14 is one to think about. This is kind of where the the blending of the college and NBA really helps here. Uh, I think that Portland's going to do something crazy. And if they don't, then they're probably going to do something crazier and trade Damian Lillard after this. But uh, really curious as to like, okay, who are the teams that you're thinking about when you're thinking, okay, who's going to make the most noise on draft night? Yeah, I think I think those two options are, are, are really good. Um, yeah, even Charlotte as well at two, it's it's kind of a question of like what are they gonna do? I think they're gonna keep that pick just because I think they're rebuilding. But yeah, the Portland pick is definitely really interesting because what are they gonna do with Dame Lillard? Are they gonna trade him to Miami? Because that's that's been the rumored landing spot. Um, because if they keep three, it's just like I don't understand what the timeline is gonna be with them. It's like you have Damian Lillard and you have Jeremy Grant, and then you just have what, Shaden Sharp and Brandon Miller. It's kinda odd having two timelines like that. So either they gotta pick a direction, it's either you know, you're gonna try to get Dame help, maybe get a Pascal Siakam or somebody like that. 
with the number three pick, which I personally don't even think that they could get that level of player with that pick, unfortunately. Um, it's a good one, though. That's a good one to think about. I, if I mean, if I were them, I would be trying to sign and trade for Draymond Green. That would be my that'd be my target on on whether it's not really draft night, but like that's that's what you have to be thinking about. And uh, because that just makes too much sense for them if they could possibly get that done. So, but that means rerouting Anthony Simons to a third team, and it's very right. complicated. But um, they're a team that I'm I'm definitely thinking about. I'm thinking about New Orleans with Zion and and trying to manage. Uh, what what that actually looks like going forward, but um, like Zion and Charlotte would be pretty cool, and, and like moving that number two pick and and just kind of resetting your timeline if you're New Orleans around some of those other young guys that they have. But um, there's 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 at least something to think about there. There's there's a lot to there's a lot to process with with some of these teams because I think there's going to be a lot of teams that make a run at Denver, and some of those teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack, like we're talking about here, like a. A Portland, even if they got the third overall pick, uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are like, we have to get this done because there's right. so much pressure taking advantage of what's a really flat NBA right now. Definitely, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, there was rumor the other day about Ingram and maybe trying to get Scoot Henderson to New Orleans because I know New Orleans really likes Scoot. Um, so I think that's a possibility. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because New Orleans, if you remember, was the first seed for a, like a quarter of the uh, the year last year. So yeah, I'm interested to see if Zion comes back and maybe they add another piece. Maybe they could be, you know, reclaiming that spot near the top of the West, even though I think the Nuggets are clearly a better team. Uh, but in- interesting to think about for sure. Yeah, we will see. We will see what it looks like. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get more Nuggets centric here. Talk about maybe the late first and 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 really start to talk about guys that that CT likes that he he'd want Denver to trade up for. But first. Everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. They're the most trusted name in sports betting right now. And you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. All you got to do is uh, make sure you're applying with that promo code MILEHIGH to get up to $250. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or down the Superbook Colorado app right now in the app stores. Uh, enter the promo code Mile High. You'll get that two hundred fifty bucks, courtesy of Superbook. Gambling problem? Call one 4700 We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by my guy CT Fazio on Twitter. Make sure to give his coverage a follow. Uh, your St. John's guy, uh, always, always trying to prop up those uh, those northeastern fellas. Uh, I know that that's that's a, a soft spot in your heart. Are, any, are there any guys in in that conference that you're, you're wanting Nuggets fans to look out for? Yeah, I've got I've got a guy. Feel me to get right into it. Well, let's uh, let's. Is it is he a first round guy? Is he a first round guy? He's probably. Based on the latest mock, he's probably on the border right now. Okay, okay. Well, let's 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 talk about it. Actually, let's you know give give me your name and then we'll we'll transition into into some of the other stuff. All right. So the guy uh, is Colby Jones, out of Xavier, okay. Big East guy. Um, he's my number one target for the Nuggets. Actually, in all the first round, um, I actually want to ask your opinion on it because it was three scenarios that I basically kind of labeled out here for the Nuggets based on Mike Singer's report where he said the Nuggets want to trade into the back end of the first round. So for me, it's either the Nuggets going to trade 37 to 40 to get to say 30, which I think is possible, or they have two first round picks in 24. So maybe they're going to trade one of those picks into this year's draft and then have one and one and kind of split the difference, um, which, which makes sense because you want to keep, you know, the cupboard, you know, refilling um, just because, you know, the CBA is, you know, the new, in place now and you need kind of those younger, cheaper, contracts you know going forward so um i think for me i think if i were to bet on it i don't i don't really bet that much but i would say i, I think that the nuggets gonna trade into the first round and maybe keep one maybe even keep both second round picks i don't know because last year the nuggets took three guys um and then they signed gillespie you know as a udfa um but i'm kind of curious to see how that kind of goes i'm curious because 
Denver's back end of their roster basically is it, it could turn over entirely if they wanted it to with uh, several veterans. Like you've got DeAndre, Jeff, right. Ish, Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant. Those are five. You've got the two two-way guys uh, with Colin Gillespie and Jack White. And then you've got Bruce Brown, who yeah, that's your eighth guy. You, you'd love to be able to bring Bruce Brown back, obviously. But if he doesn't come back, then, okay, there's there's eight spots you could you could potentially be turning over. Um, and I think like Denver's going to want to stay cheap. They're going to want to stay under that luxury tax apron that that's been bandied about that, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of money trying to, trying to figure that out. And so if they don't bring back Bruce Brown, this is where I'm going to do this. I, I wrote about this online today for at milehighsports.com. You guys can go check it out. Uh, it's just what, what to expect from Denver this off season. Um, Denver has about 163 million tied up for next year between nine players. That includes their five starters, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Vlaco Chanchar, and Zeke Naji. Zeke actually being the, the priciest of the four uh, off the bench. So they're going to try to figure out how to stay under that salary threshold uh, with, the, with those guys. And they also have to fill in a bunch of minimum contracts and maybe second round picks. The right. second round picks are kind of valuable. Those, those are, For if sure. you can do guaranteed contracts on that, like that's the, that is the, lottery ticket item for Denver where if you can find second round picks that can actually play, then you can give those guys a, a lower salary number for let's say three or four years. And that can, that can absolutely help you out. I think, I think they said that it's a three-year guarantee for, for second round picks now, if I'm not mistaken, it's like that's the amount that you can give up to those guys. So if I were Denver, I'd be thinking about trading that first round pick in 2024 along with one of those first round or one of those second round picks like you talked about and then getting it to 20 ish. And if, if you could get to 20 uh, or I don't know, 24 and then also have the 37th or the 40th pick, then you're feeling pretty good. You're, you're feeling pretty sure. good about all of that. And you can fill in the back end of your roster with some young talent as well. So long answer to your question, obviously, but I think that that's probably the direction that I would go if I were them, but I'm also going to trust Cal. So, right. Exactly. I think after, especially last year, uh, I think Calvin, he had a great draft, obviously drafting Christian Brown, a guy we actually pined for last year on the, on the podcast. Funny enough, we were really uh, high on that pick going into that draft. So that was, that was pretty cool to see that happen. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think they could trade one first rounder in 24 to this draft. I think they could get around 26. There was rumors apparently the Pacers um, around there that they would kind of want to move out. I, I, I saw maybe Houston as well. Um, so we'll kind of see about that. But yeah, I think uh, the guy that I really like in the first round for the Nuggets, and I think they have to kind of prepare for the fact that Bruce Brown is leaving. I, not necessarily that he's going to leave, but I think you have to be, and I'm sure the front office is really prepared for any kind of outcome that happens here. Um, Kobe Jones for me is a guy who I really like for the Nuggets if they could get a first round pick. Um, one thing that I really like about the past two to three years about what the Nuggets have done, especially without Jamal and, and MPJ when they were out that year, is that you don't necessarily need a point guard um, off the bench to play with Jokic. You know, Bruce Brown by no by no means was a, a traditional point guard, um, someone who could run pick and roll and kind of score, uh, you know, in the floater range or in transition. Uh, he was able to get to the rim. So I think Colby Jones isn't a traditional point guard, but as a backup, I think you can use him as a secondary guy. Uh, really good shooter this year, 6'6". Started all three years at, at Xavier, trajectory scoring the basketball. Um, good defender, one through three, really physical guy who could lock and trail defensively, 43% on catch and shoot jump shots. So it's kind of a trend here where the Nuggets are kind of going after those guys who are in that 6'5 range and, and above where you need those defenders like that. Um because, you know, seeing this year, the Nuggets just had a bunch of those guys, you know, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, KCP, and that was the, the recipe for a championship. So I think that the Nuggets should kind of stay on that trajectory. Um, so Kobe Jones, for me, is that guy uh, with the Nuggets trade into the first round. And, and necessarily, I, he was actually mocked today at 36. So if the Nuggets could get him in the second round, that would be incredible, I think. So he'd be returning first round value, getting him in the second round. There's something to that. Uh, obviously, I, he's a Xavier guy, right? That's that's. Yeah. Am I making that up? Okay. Um, Xavier guy, somebody who I've, we've had some good Xavier prospects come out of the draft in recent years as well. Uh, there, there's plenty, there's plenty to talk about with, with some of that group. And, and I think, uh, if you're a Nuggets fan, you'd be happy with somebody who I, I always kind of thought of him as a, as a very similar prospect to Christian Brown. 
which is one of the reasons why I, I kind of shied away from him initially. I was going to ask you about him as one of the guys that I, I wanted to cover. Uh, I think there's some, there's some utility in versatility and yep. Colby Jones, if he provides a carbon copy or similar enough to a guy like Christian Brown or Peyton Watson or, or somebody of that ilk, does it give Denver enough versatility off of their bench in order to um, do what they have to do? I, I don't know what the answer is there. And I, I don't know whether that's the right way to even look at it, but it makes like, because of the defensive capabilities of a guy like Christian Brown or Peyton Watson, I think it gives me the ability to look at somebody who might not necessarily be that defensive focused. Like that would be great. Uh, having a whole bunch of defensive guys would be awesome. But if you have a guy who's also versatile enough that can get you a bucket here or there or create some offense for others here or there, maybe that's another thing to, to be looking for. But can Colby Jones do that? Yeah, I think um, with the I think the difference between Colby and Christian is that I think Colby's a, a really a better playmaker. Um, he's not necessarily a point guard, but he's a guy who uh, ran secondary pick and rolls, um, guy who made really nice reads uh, out of pick and rolls at times, and um, a guy who I really like uh, making decisions on the move. Um, like I said, good defender, six, six, uh, good shooter as well. Um, 38% from three, a guy who shot 50% from the field too. Um, I just think he's not necessarily a point guard, but I think playing with Jokic allows you to not really be a point guard, but if you can run pick and roll and he has a nice floater too. So it's kind of like synonymous with Bruce. Bruce had a nice, uh, you know, nice floater, um, you know, good defender, but he wasn't like a guy making, you know, Jamal Murray type of reads out there. Um, he was just a guy who could get by when Jamal was off the floor. So I think Colby can kind of do that as well. Um, where, like I say, he's not necessarily a traditional point guard, but he's got the skills necessary to get by where he's a good defender, good shooter, good from the floater range, and he can run pick and roll. I think that's, I think that's the baseline of skills that you need in order to kind of uh, be a guard off of Denver's bench, uh, not named like Christian Brown or um, Bruce, you, kind of in yeah. that. Ilk. No, for sure. For sure. And, I think Peyton Watson could probably add some ball handling for Denver next year. Maybe, maybe not perfectly, but he he will be somebody who could run a pick and roll and that they, they're not always going to have to have a point guard be their lead distributor. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I talked about last podcast. Like I, I'd like to see Christian run some point. I'd like to see him continue to add to those skills for himself, because if he can, then it makes Denver even more versatile and they can do right. a lot of different things and add some different players. So that's one thing. Uh, who are some other guys? Who are, who are some other guys that, that you've got on your list that you'd like to cover? Yeah, I think number two for me is um, Dariq Whitehead at a Duke, uh, someone who's kind of uh, fallen a bit in the draft. Uh, so he's had two foot surgeries now. Um, he had one uh, preseason where he got hurt, and then now after the season uh, we had another foot surgery. But um, he's going to be recovered for – I think he's probably going to miss summer league, but he's going to be recovered for the beginning of the year. Um, a guy for me who I really like as a shooter uh, – Again, six 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 seven range, really good defender. Um, could probably guard one through four with the strength that he has out there. Forty three percent from three, forty two percent from the field. So not you know as good uh, from the field, but um, just a guy who I think has really really untapped upside. Just seeing him in high school as well, like he was really really uh, solid as a one v one on one scorer. But also I, I like his ability to play in a team setting as well, where he's not just like a guy who's going to be you know isolating and he can play within an offense. But he's a really dynamic shooter. Um, can defend one through three, and a guy like I said is just really well rounded. It's just that he's he's young and he hasn't really gotten that much experience. So uh, I think if you know knowing Calvin Booth where he did last year, he kind of pay, uh, picked Peyton Watson was an upside swing, right? And um, sure. he kind of showed out toward the end of the year that he was wouldn't say he's ready right now, but he showed flashes that he could be ready maybe potentially this year. I think Derek White is the same way, where it's like you kind of draft him in the second round, uh, in the late first maybe play him in the G league, develop him like they did Peyton Watson and then see at the end of the end of the year, maybe that experience pays off. So um, if they don't want a ready-made guy like Colby Jones, who I think could contribute right away, like we saw Christian Brown this year, I think uh, Derek would kind of be the opposite of that. But I, I think the, the upside would be a nice reward uh, compared to, you know, a guy who could play right now. Somebody who I, I've, I've heard a lot about is Koulibaly uh, Metro. He, he's probably not going to even be in the range where Denver could trade up for. Uh, but just another kind of raw player who like athletic, uh, versatile type piece, like who could really be a great defensive piece for, for a team like Denver. Um, probably a little bit too big, probably more in that Peyton Watson threshold where they, you, you probably can't 
take too many of those guys and really develop them all. But I do think that there, there's something to that if, if you're able to fall into a range that Denver actually liked. Uh, but like a, a, a year away from being a year away would, would be a good way to describe him. Um, Leonard Miller was a guy who was out last year uh, and, and like went, went through the draft prospect uh, process. I wrote about him at Denver Stiffs actually. And, and I thought he was extremely raw, didn't really have a ton, uh, but played for Ignite this past year. And I thought like, it seems like he's, he's done some good things developing as a role player, as opposed to maybe developing as a star type. Is he a guy that, that you could see, Hey, you've got the ball skills, you've got the creativity. Uh, do you also have the, the intangibles as well? Yeah, for sure. Actually, funnily enough, I have um, Leonard Miller's lottery guy uh, on my board. Oh, okay. Um, I know, so maybe maybe yeah. he's a, he's also just gone. Like that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems so. Like he's been kind of falling down the board too. Um, like him and Derek Whitehead, I think are kind of in that same uh, same discussion where those guys are, are really high regarded as you know prospects they once were, but kind of falling down the board whether it's due to injury concerns or or what have you. Um, but yeah, I really like Leonard Miller, especially his ability. Um, you know, he's really tall, six ten. Someone like that who can handle the ball and make reads over the top of of different uh, different smaller defenders, I think, is really appealing. Um, guy who averaged like ten rebounds a game, um, I think, is is really uh, you know really good. And um, yeah, I think the shooting is you know something where he shot thirty percent, not really that that great. Um, but just for me, I really like his all around skill set as being six ten and having some somewhat a guard ability, but uh, just like a good baseline of of height and length and athleticism. Um. Whatever Calvin ends up doing, like I'm, I'm gonna just trust that he he has a good feel for this. So I, I will not be uh, denigrating whatever choice he makes, like I did the Peyton Watson selection last year, uh, because that looks like it will work out. And Ryan was a dumbass for for not trusting Calvin. Uh, so we've got we've got plenty to to build on there. Uh, what about City Sissoko? He's he's another ignite guy that uh, I. I think he'd be profiles as the kind of guy that Denver would want just a smart high IQ physical player just just a very big and athletic type what, what are you thinking there yeah I really like uh, Sissoko actually I saw in uh, KOC's latest mock he was uh, projected to go to Denver um, which is uh, you know pretty coincidental but yeah a guy for me who I really like as far as you know he's pretty physical again there's like a lot of these guys in that 6-6 six, six range right where it's kind of are you a guard are you can you play off the ball <laughs> And I think I'm not going to lie. I was, I was so overwhelmed trying to figure out who the hell, like which six, six guy am I supposed to be looking at right now? Because they're all six, six, they're all six, seven trying to figure out. And I'm sure a lot of draft draft analysts are thinking about too. Like you could probably get variations of different things from any of these guys. It's just about getting them into your culture and helping to develop them. Like a, a Gigi Jackson from, from South Carolina, probably really right. far down a lot of people's boards, but just another like young, raw, athletic, talented player that in that same physical mold, they're like, you could say about any of these guys. For sure. No, definitely. And um, yeah, Sissoko for me is just, I really like his uh, ability at 6'6 to uh, be a kind of a physical guard out there, um, can defend multiple positions. Again, the, uh, the jump shot's kind of a theme with what we're, the guys were talking about 31% from three. 64% from the free throw line. So it's like, is he going to be a shooter? We, I mean, I think so, but it's kind of, you know, the free throw is kind of an indicator where it's like, is he, it's not, maybe not, may not translate to, you know, being that great of a shooter. Um, but again, I really like Sissoko as far as his all around game. Um, like I said, someone who's a d- pretty good defender, guy who's a pretty physical guard. Um, but I think he might be able to be in that range. Um, we'll see. He's been projected in Denver's range a couple times I've seen in different mock drafts. So would be a good pick. Yeah, just I, it's hard to figure it out because some like some of the stuff I'm looking at has him as a first rounder where where you think, OK, he's going to go in the late 20s. You have to trade up for him. Um, I don't know if that's actually true. I don't know what, what all this is going to end up looking like, because the, the back end of these of these drafts is often about as fluid as any in like modern sports where you just you just don't know where a guy is going to fall. And like it, it could be Sissoko. It could be. Jackson it could be uh Andre Jackson who who I think we should probably talk about who maybe he rises into the first round despite the fact that he can't shoot worth hell uh, seems seems like an important factor but he's a great defender and really smart player yep definitely for sure yeah actually I was going to bring up Jackson when we talk about the second round guys uh he's mm-hmm. definitely on my list for Denver as being uh, a target for sure 
Okay. Who are some other first round guys that then that you want to, you want to touch on before we transition into the second round? Yeah, sure. I had three guys in total. So I had Derek Whitehead. I had, um, who's the other guy? Uh, Kobe Jones. So Kobe Jones, Derek Whitehead, and then Jalen Hutchifano, who's actually a guy who's kind of falling down the board lately from what I've seen and what I've read. Um, someone who was really good at Indiana as far as 14 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, really heady guard and someone who's really good in the pick and roll. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting because, you know, off of Denver's bench, you know, Murray was a guy who's running a lot of pick and rolls, whether it was with Zeke Nagy or Aaron Gordon, we saw in the playoffs as well. So I think that would be kind of like a, uh, a thing where you see on the bench, uh, you know, a guard who they take would be running a lot of pick and rolls. Um, guy who could defend both back, uh, backward spots is 6'4", six, 6'4 four, uh, six, four and a half. Uh, his shooting was 33% this year, so not really that great, but I do like his ability to defend both backcourt spots, and I like his pick-and-roll ability. Um, you know, can make skip-passing reads, hitting through. I mean, he played uh, tra- uh, Trace Jackson Davis this year in Indiana, who was a guy who was, um, you know, All-American and, and really good player. I actually really like this draft, too. Um, but having a big like that, you know, being a pick-and-roll partner with is really uh, interesting, and I think that kind of helped uh, JHS – really develop a nice kind of synergy out there. Um, but yeah, he could score from the mid range. Uh, like I said, the shooting is kind of hit or miss, but I really like his ability to, to get in the paint and make reads. And uh, he's pretty physical at six, four. So um, if the Nuggets get in the first round, he'd be a guy I'd also look at too. Cause he's more of a traditional point guard, right? He's not, he's not like a guy like Kobe Jones where it's like, you could play him as a secondary guy, like off the bench. Um, but I think JHS, you could play like as an actual point guard, um, without like another guard out there to kind of you know be a secondary guy, should be interesting. I I like he seems like a, a very interesting prospect and just again like I, I don't get caught up in the positions right now because it, it, like Denver could use a point guard. They don't right. have another backup point guard right now, and like that's if Bruce Brown does end up walking, then that's a skill that they're going to have to acquire from from somewhere. So maybe drafting somebody makes a lot of sense, even if it's just like. Hey, Colin Gillespie, uh, Jalen Hoshifano, like just, you guys are going to push each other, and you're going to try whoever's whoever's the best is going to play, and then that's that's a a good, healthy bit of competition that you can have on on towards the end of your bench. But uh, there there's a lot there's a lot here that we could be going into, and and we'll we'll continue to look at some of those prospects going forward as well. But I'll tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to discuss second round targets and and just a, a general feel for the nuggets offseason should be very good uh we will be right back but first this message from if i can find it because i'm here we go uh this message from scott the huff hey what's up it's the huff you gotta check out my podcast the huff uncensored i give an unfiltered reaction to all the crazy headlines from across the globe and i'm not afraid to give an honest opinion about the broncos nuggets avalanche and rockies it's the Dahuff Uncensored podcast. Subscribe, listen, laugh. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like for CT in the comments section uh, this was a, a fun episode to be able to record and we've got some we got a few people in here just making sure to chat draft and, and and catching up on all this stuff so thank you so much everybody for hopping in and if you're listening on apple podcast spotify google every you get your podcast thank you so much for listening over there uh make sure to rate review and subscribe if you can all right let's now get into the second round i've uh, talked a little bit about first round prospects uh, not sure if there's anybody in particular based off of the conversation that we had that I would trade up for, unless it's maybe Derek Whitehead. He, he, he seems like a guy that I could, I could see or, or Leonard Miller, if he were to drop uh, though, those are probably the two guys that I'd be, I'd be thinking about Colby Jones. I, I'm, I think Denver can do like, they could get another Colby Jones in the second round. That's, that's just what I'm, I'm kind of thinking here, but we will just have to see. Maybe maybe there's some other guys that we could talk about. Um, the first one that I had on my list that I wanted to make sure to mention was Jaime Jaquez Jr. Um, UCLA, probably not the sexiest guy for a lot of people. Definitely a, a veteran type who excelled at the college level. But he's kind of what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking, okay, if you have your defensive guys, if you have your athleticism, your versatility, can you build a bench that features uh, Jaquez, Christian Brown, 
uh, Peyton Watson, all three of those guys at the same time. And then, hey, your two strongest defenders are there. Uh, your two, uh, you've got a couple ball handlers for sure. And then maybe you add a, in a point guard here at, at some point. But Hakez seems to me like a, a player that fits what Denver wants to do, uh, just isn't necessarily the most athletic to get it done. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Hawkins as well. That's why I got invited to the green room today, which uh, to me was a little bit surprising. Um, I have him kind of on that border of the first and second round right now. Um, but yeah, if he were to slide to the second round, which is it's definitely possible, you know, just because he's invited to the green room doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, going in, in lottery or in the first round. Um, I think he'd be pretty, you know, a decent pick. Um, you know, someone who's more of like, he really like operates well in the paint, um, you know, really physical guard, uh, guard wingish, you know, type player. Um, the jump shot's kind of a question, 32% from three this year, uh, 18 points. But, you know, he's someone who's been really – he's been around at UCLA for a while now. Good rebounder too. Um, someone I think, like, right away he's going to come in and, and, and make an impact, uh, you know, playing, especially as an older guy. Um, I just think the jump shot is kind of like the, the swing skill for him where it's like I think he's going to make his, uh, you know, his imprint in the paint. But as far as, like, being more of a perimeter guy, I think that's where the questions are. But I think right away he'd be a, a good fit. Would be interesting. He's he's uh, my brother is a UCLA alum, so he talks about Hawkeyes a ton. Uh, other couple of guys that are from there, uh, um, Amir Bailey, I'm pretty sure, uh, like or Bailey. is it a, or is it Amari Bailey? It's one yeah. of the two. Um, yeah, Bailey. And oh, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, there was one other um, who got injured, uh, who tore his Achilles. I um, think it was it was like Clark, Jalen Clark, maybe Jalen Clark. Yeah, yeah, Jaylen that's Clark. that's the one. Like he's. Like was their best defender before, so maybe he's a, a guy that Denver takes a flyer on in that, even if it's an undrafted guy that they try to add a two-way contract, which Denver's got three two-way contract slots now. That's that, that's just something that's now new for the CBA. So will be plenty of young guys that they can try to funnel in. Um, Hawkes was one guy I wanted to talk about. Who are some other uh, second-round pick types that you're, you're interested in? Yeah, the second round guys are. I think there's a lot of value, especially where Denver's picking. Um, I was kind of big on the in during the year because the Mavericks, you know, owned that pick, and I it was good that they were losing games because the Nuggets got a top forty pick now off of them, and it's yeah. it's almost effectively like having another first rounder. Like if you really think about it, you know, that range from like thirty to forty is kind of synonymous. Um, a guy, I don't know if you want to talk about Andre Jackson. Was that your guy you wanted to talk about? You want me to say somebody else? No, yeah, yeah, go over Andre Jackson. Okay, Andre Jackson for me is a guy who's. Again, his shooting is not good, but the I've seen the comparison from him as like an Andre Roberson type, and I just really disagree with that as far as Andre Jackson, the guy who impacts the game in a multitude of ways. You know, he's a guy who's really good grab-and-go player, uh, you know, off of rebounds, you know, and he's a good playmaker too. Really good in the pick-and-roll as far as, you know, um, you know, making reason that aspect. Good in the open floor too. Uh, can really hit, you know, players in transition. Um, and a really good defender uh, at 6'6", you know, a guy who I really like guarding one through three. Um, really quick, uh, quick hands, um, lengthy. Um, I think a guy who especially it, – it would be funny testing the the limits of how uh, big of a floor raiser Jokic is offensive. You put a guy like Andre Jackson next to him. I think that would be pretty uh, pretty cool to see. That would, that would also be pretty uh, pretty painful. <laughs> I, think, I think Jokic would be – he'd be doing a lot of uh, carrying of water, that's for sure. For sure, definitely. I just think in the second round you kind of need guys with discernible uh, traits. And as far as like having skill sets that kind of translate right away. And I think Jackson, you know, being a guy who's a good playmaker, he can make, uh, you know, reads as far as, you know, from the high post or he could, um, you know, hit cutters as well. It's just like, he's not like a one dimensional, like offensive anchor. I think he can, he can, uh, you know, impact the game offensively in a multitude of ways, even though the shooting is a big problem, but um, you know, low volume last year, he shot pretty well. It was in like the, the mid thirties. So not, not too bad. And this year he shot like 29%. So not, not great, but um, again, he helped UConn win a championship, so he's he did something right. Yeah, looking at um, looking at the shooting splits are, is pretty it's pretty painful. Not gonna lie, uh, but that's okay because I, look, he's also one of those guys where three year player at a Big East school, like somebody who won a championship just now, like a very talented player, and you don't average four point seven assists per game on accident. Like that's right. that's a a pretty strong number especially from that wing spot. So really impressive in, in that regard. And if you're, if you are a Nuggets fan and you see them draft Andre Jackson, just know that it's probably uh, for the reason that they believe they can develop the jump shot a little bit. And they like all the other translatable skills. That's, that's for sure. Um, Definitely. 
All right, let's do let's. Uh, Jordan Walsh is a name that keeps popping up in the in the comments. I, I wanted to make sure to cover him. Uh, he he's the is he the blonde dude? Um, that's that's the the is he blonde on on all the the clips? Uh, actually, he's he doesn't have any hair. He's he's uh, I don't know if you've seen him. He's he's bald. Oh, okay. Well, cool. <laughs> that's great. That's even that's that's completely different. Cool. Let's tell me about him. Yeah, uh, Jordan Walsh for me is a guy I really like um, in the second round. He's 19 years old, um, so he's, he's got upside. Um, but, again, he's not really a, a polished player yet. But his defense is really, really stellar. Uh, six, seven, seven. I think he's got a seven, close to like a seven-foot-plus wingspan, which is pretty crazy. Okay. Um, it's a really good defender on the perimeter. I think him and the Thompson twins are arguably the best perimeter defenders in the class. Um, you know, his three-pointer wasn't that great, 28% from three in the year, so not – not really that good, but he was really good in the tournament, though. I don't know if you've seen any games of him in the tournament. He really put on a show as far as hitting a couple threes. Um, they played against Illinois really well against Turner Chan, another guy who I actually really liked in the second round until he uh, came out of the draft. He went back to school. Um, but Walsh is just – his baseline of defense on the perimeter, I think, is really, really good as far as I think he, that could kind of get him minutes right away. It's the offense part where it's the problem, but he's a really good connector. Um, good passer attacking closeouts. Um, good making extra passes too. Uh, like I said, six seven. It's just a guy who's like, we see that range all the time now. Six 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 seven. A bunch of guys like that. But the defense is something that's going to be his calling uh, calling card early on. And um, I think that kind of having that baseline of skills, adding to the fact that he's a connector too, and an improving jump shot. I I would have him right. I have him right on that board of the first uh, first round right now. All right. Well, the chat's telling me I'm an asshole because he has alopecia. Um, okay. So that's I did, that's. I did. Fantastic. I, I have no idea, guys. So sorry. Uh, but no, that's a that's okay. Uh no, I mean he seems like a pretty dynamic like player. Just just yeah, watching sure. watching some of these clips. That's a that would be a very interesting like open court style player, somebody who gets the steals. And I mean, Denver's defensive mentality off the bench this year, especially with their with their bench groups, was defend, rebound, and run. And if he can do that, if he can add to that, then there's like, there's nothing nothing stopping him from being an impact guy. So hopefully that translates. Uh, that would be a pretty interesting one for sure. Um, what else here? Who, who's another guy that you're thinking about? Yeah, I got uh, Julian Strawler out of Gonzaga, uh, a guy mm-hmm. who I've been really high about, really high on the Nuggets for a while. Um, the Nuggets haven't had like a bench shooter since like Malik Beasley was the last guy. They had like a, a really dynamic bench shooter. Um, they could come in and kind of fill it up. Um, Strawler for me is a guy who's, who's really dynamic. Um, I don't know if you saw in the tournament, he hit like the game winner against UCLA. Oh yeah. I was watching that on my couch with my brother. He yeah, was, he was not sure he happy. Was not happy He's... about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like Gonzaga does that every year to UCLA. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah. Strawler is just a guy I really like as far as six, seven. Uh, and he's not like a one dimensional shooter. He's a guy who could really rebound the ball. Uh, six, seven, his defense is not great, but again, he's got a, a baseline of being six, seven. Um, plus wingspan as well, 41% from three. The defense is the question, but I really like his shooting ability. And he's not like an initiator type per se, but he could make reads out of pick and rolls. And he really leverages shooting nicely as far as like making, I wouldn't say like advanced reads, but he can make basic reads as far as like when teams double the ball, he could get the ball to uh, Drew Timmy, uh, was he played with uh, at the center position, was a really good, um, really good player for them as well. It's just having a guy like that who could space the floor for a, a big man who's, who's kind of uh, dominant in the paint. Uh, kind of like what Jokic does, right? You have MPJ spacing the floor, uh, KCP as well. It's just you kind of need shooting around the, the two-man game. And I think Strawler's a guy at 6'7". Right. You could play on the wing. Um, you know, as a guy like that, who could space the floor, make some kind of reads, and his defense isn't that great. But um, I just like his ability to shoot the basketball. He's got deep range, too. He can really shoot uh, from far out. Um, and he can shoot on the move in a variety of different ways. You know, he can shoot off pin downs. He can shoot off of uh, DHOs. And I think that's that's really important that he's not a one-dimensional guy. He's not just a shooter. He can do other things too. I heard some from Twitter uh, from some Twitter friends that you might trade your firstborn for the rights to Julian Strother if you, if you had an opportunity. <laughs> I saw that today. Um, it was funny. <laughs> he's uh, he seems like a very dynamic offensive talent. Somebody who like 
makes a good fit as as like that third option within the starting line or not a starting lineup, but like just any lineup that you're that you're trying to get to where hey, you've got Jokic, you've got Murray, and in the minutes where Michael Porter doesn't play, you can bring in Julian Strother and feel pretty good about the offense still. So there there's something there's something to that. I think that's a that is a a good idea. Uh, but I'm I'm seeing from CJ here probably probably not a a good defensive option if they're if you're looking for one. Um, yeah, who is who is Omax that I keep seeing in the in the comments? Who who am I who am I missing here? Yeah, Omax is a guy who's been a, a, a late riser. Um, Olivier Ma- uh, Max uh, Prosper out of um, Marquette um, Junior, uh, another guy who's in that six seven six eight range. Um, guy shot thirty four percent from three, uh, pretty versatile defensively too. Um, Again, it kind of like in the same like way of like a Peyton Watson, where it's not his offense is more polished, but kind of in that same way where it's like the the measurements kind of map out the same um, from a height perspective. Um, but okay. I think he's gonna go, he's gonna go higher, unfortunately, but he'd be a good pick. Would be interesting. I, I saw I think I saw he got a greener greener invite uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, there's a lot of guys that have though like 23 or 24 guys. So it really is like hey, if you get a green room. Uh, you're probably going in the first round. That's that's just how it is. Uh, but hey, I mean, who knows? Maybe Denver, like we talked about, maybe they trade up for him. Maybe he's he's the guy that they're targeting. But you never know. A um, couple other guys that I want to cover: Maxwell Lewis of Pepperdine. I saw some uh, highlights from him, and he looked like he could jump like uh, like the center in in New Orleans right now, who's uh, coming off the bench. Uh, gosh, what is his name, dude? I'm I'm so old now. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Who, uh, uh, Larry Nance? No, it's uh, Jackson Hayes. That's the one. Oh, Jackson Hayes. Okay. Yeah, like look, looked like you could jump out of the gym, kind of like that. Um, it, it, what about Maxwell Lewis? Is he a, a guy that you've had on your radar? Uh, I haven't really had him in, in. I haven't really thought of him for Denver, but I think he could be a decent option though. Um, yeah, he's a Is high, he not high defensive flyer. enough. Yeah, I think the de- uh, defensive stuff uh, a little bit, and I think the offense is a bit hit or miss too. Um, but yeah, no, we wouldn't be a bad option though. Okay. So kind of like uh Kendall Brown from last year, that, that, that's my, that's my comp. That's my official comp from him. That's a good comp. Uh, not, not, not a lot of defense, not a lot of offense, but he can jump boy, boy, yeah. can he jump. Um, cool. Let's go with, uh, Brandon Podzimski. Is that, is that uh butchering of said name? Uh, I just Santa call Clara? him Pods. I just call him Pods because, uh, I can't pronounce the name. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I, I, I saw some clips of him and he looked pretty good. He just, and the description on him is that he could just play. Like he's just gonna, just gonna be able to run offense, do a pick and roll, like, like whether it's DHO pick and roll spot up, whatever you need, like he'll, he'll be able to provide, uh, see somebody that Denver can good target. Yeah. I think if, if the Nuggets are going to trade into the first round, um, he got an invite to the green room too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, man. He was my, a late riser. My names are. I'm, I'm. I'm like really good with these names on on the second round. <laughs> that's definitely that's fantastic. No, um, he was okay, a second well, round guy for a majority of the time, and then he was a really late riser in the process. I know draft Twitter is really high on him, and I'm pretty high on him too. Um, good shooter, really good in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, six four. The, the question is defensively, is he going to be uh good enough on that end guarding a point of attack? Uh, which again, I think he could because he's he's about six five. Um. But Santa, Santa Clara, Denver, back-to-back years, though. Jalen Williams and now Pods, too, oh, which is yeah, pretty yeah. Uh, interesting. Dude, I was right about Jalen Williams. You were. I was right. I was right early. And then he rose into the lottery. And then apparently Denver tried to trade up for him at 10. That was that was, a, that was an interesting draft story to come out. <laughs> I know. Calvin, um, Calvin knows ball. He knows ball. He knows what he's doing, man. Uh, who are some other guys that we haven't mentioned that you want to wrap up with? Yeah, for sure. I got two more guys. I got uh, Terquavion Smith out of NC State. Um, this is a guy who I got, that's the bones Highland comp, right? Yep. The bones Highland comp, but I think he's, I think he's a more, uh, well-rounded bones Highland. If I'll say it like that bones, would be a good playmaker. Um, especially early on, like he, he had good reads, um, in the pick and roll and, um, made flashy passes. I think Turk is not as, uh, like dynamic with the ball as bones as far as making those flashy passes. But what really is interesting to me is, is Turk was a guy who really made a leap from year one to year two. Uh, his playmaking took a leap as far as his passing ability. Um, 34% from three on the year, which is not like great, but it's not, it's not, it's like the middle of the pack. Um, right. 
And I think I, I really like with Turk is that he's a guy who could really punish multiple coverages, right? So if the team's playing drop uh, in, in a tournament, especially against Creighton, Creighton has a, a big and Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's a guy who's like a drop savant. You know, he's a guy who's always in the paint. He's like seven foot two. So he doesn't really want to play at the level, but he just gives you the, the, the paint. And Turk was a guy who just repeatedly made him pay for that, you know, in the mid range, getting into the paint, uh, drawing and ones. Uh, he's a guy who's really dynamic uh, with a deep range from three. Um, and he's 6'4", a really wiry guard. He's really quick, too, with the ball. Um, so he's a guy I'd really like for the Nuggets to get. Maybe it's a point guard, too. Like, uh, I know we keep saying, like, guard, if, if Bruce Insurance, right, if he, if he leaves. I think Turk would be a good option as far as, like, he's a more traditional, like, modern point guard where he's not a guy who's, like, he's not really def- that great of a defender, but he competes. Um, okay. But good three-point shooter uh, for the most part. He's a guy who's pretty dynamic with the basketball, so. He's a guy I really like. And then Ricky Council is another guy I like, too, another Arkansas guy. Um, really, really athletic. Not the best three-point shooter, but uh, had pretty good flashes uh, in isolation as far as a one-on-one score. And a pretty good defender, too, at 6'6". So um, definitely have a, a baseline of guys I like in that range in the second if the Nuggets keep two picks. Um, I think they could come up with a good option, uh, whether it's a guard or a wing, um, a traditional point guard, too. Like I think there's a lot of, a lot of options if they keep those two picks that they could kind of work off of. If you had to stake your reputation on one of these guys, who are you picking in the second round? Oh, man. Putting me on the spot like Christian Brown last year when I, I mm-hmm. staked my claim with him. I got to stake it this year, too. Hey, hey uh, man, like you, you know what you're talking about. Hey, I, I try. I try. Uh, probably for me, uh, I'll, I'll go with Julian Strawler. Um, okay. Got really good, you know, like I said, good shooter, uh, six seven, really good rebounder, too, six rebounds a game. And a guy like that who's a winger who can shoot like that, who's willing to mix it up on the glass is pretty encouraging. Um, Strawder for me, I just think he's a guy who's going to return first round value pretty easily as a rotation piece. Um, I, I just don't think the defense is like detrimental where teams are going to target him just because he's, he's got height and he's got the length, uh, to kind of make up for it. Okay. Okay. Julian Strother, it is where we're going to, we're going to take that one to the bank folks. And, and I, I hope that Denver picks up Julian Strother because I, I do actually think that there's like some of the stuff that I was talking about with, uh, with Hawkes, I think that there's some of that with Strother too. Like that could be could be perfectly reasonable if you can mix them in with some of your defensive guys for sure. Um, all right, man. I think that's, that's pretty close to, to being done. Just like uh, one more general, like two more general questions. Uh, first of all, where's your guy, Terrence Shannon? Like I, I've been hearing from Ter- you on Terrence Shannon for a long, yeah. long ass time. Come I on know. now. Where is he? <laughs> yeah. He went back to school. Surprisingly. I, I was kind of shocked. Cause mm-hmm. I thought this was finally the year that he put it all together. Um, you know, at school, he was a guy who's made good, pick, made improved to pick and roll reads. Um, he's still got to work on the right hand. That's something he's got to work on because he's really lefty dominant. But his shooting took a leap this year as well. I don't, I don't know why he went back to school. I thought he'd for sure be a, a guy who'd be picked at least in the second round and get a guaranteed deal. But hey, maybe next year's the year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You got to wait one more year. Um, and then the other thing is uh, actually not the other thing, but we're getting a lot of comments here about not having a lot of bigs that we've talked about before. Um, I don't think that they're going to draft a big, especially if they're trading up into the first round. Like you're not trading into the first round for a big man. Like that's just, no. that's just not what Denver's going to do. You want to, you'll want to always return value on a player that can play with Nikola Jokic. Uh, but right. if you had to draft a big in the second round, who would you pick? Yeah, I think Trace Jackson Davis for sure. Um, I think yeah. he's a guy who's good in the pick and roll as far as a finisher could get his own basket. Um, I think he's not, like great defensively, but he's pretty good. Um, and he's, he could play make too, where he's a guy who can make passing reads out of, you know, when teams double team him. And I think that was something that was really improved that I saw out of him this year is that, you know, maybe back a year ago, he wasn't making reads like that, um, you know, out of the post and, and you know, out of the pick and roll. So I think he's a guy who I really like as far as like, he's an established guy as far as, you know, an all American type and someone who's been really experienced in that, in that aspect where I think he could be, uh, you know, a backup option for a team right away. But, yeah, I wouldn't be, like, opposed if Denver picked him at 40. Like, I, I would actually like that pick. Um, but, again, yeah. it's kind of like you have Jokic. So, it's like, why are you picking another big? And you yeah. don't know if what's going to happen with Zeke. And I think Vlaco is going to be pretty uh, prevalent next year. You know, Jeff Green, you don't know if he comes back, too. So, and Aaron Gordon played the five in the playoffs for the majority of the part, too. So, it's like, it's really tough to, to kind of gauge about if Denver's going to take a big. I'm, I'm with you there. And the the versatility that you have with Gordon is a really big part of that. Like if they do keep Najee, then then he's a guy that you're also probably putting into that spot as well. 
um, because he has to play. Like if he's if you're going to keep Zeke Naji, then he has to play. Like that's just that's yep. fourth year expiring contract. Come on, what are we doing? Um, that's one. And then I was going to ask you something else. I was going to ask you something. What was it? Um, I don't know. Like Bruce Brown, you think he's back? Uh, it depends on the money. Like, I don't know if, if the team's going to like, you really... can't say that. If, if, if a team offer, let's say a team offers him the full MLE. Let's say they offer, it's like four years, 54 million. Something uh, he's like. gone. He's okay. gone. I think okay. he's gone. Like, I really want Bruce back because he was really important to Denver's baseline and floor this year as a guy with Jamal Murray coming back from his ACL. He's able to fill in that point guard starting really good next to KCP and, and MPJ, um, you know, on the perimeter. So it would be a shame if he leaves because Denver's going to have to find a way to, to get another guy. And um, I saw your article today where you dropped that Dylan Wright note at the bottom. You didn't think we'd, we'd see it. Um, uh, just I, I like to sneak those little tidbits in. Yeah, I think he'd be a suitable replacement. But the Nuggets are going to have to find a guy if he leaves. Like that was a sixth man. You know, he's really important to the Denver's title this year. Um, so they're going to have to get a replacement. I think Dylan Wright would be a good guy if they if they were to, um, you know, lose Bruce, unfortunately. But uh, – yeah, I hope hope hopefully Bruce is back next year, but we'll see. Um, but again, like I said with the draft, the Nuggets need cheap, affordable contracts moving forward because they're they're so top heavy. And I think I going forward, I really like Denver's top five uh, with KCP, mm-hmm. including that mix. I just I'm, I'm going to run it back until it doesn't work anymore. So they're just going to need guys who are cheap and affordable uh, to fit under that 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 kind of apron. And, and like Flacco's got a great deal. I think Zeke, you could sign on a cheap deal as well. Like, I just think like having those guys who are affordable, but also could fill in, uh, you know, off the bench in the regular season and maybe be contributors in the playoffs. I think that's really important. So I think Thursday is an important day for uh, the Nuggets to maybe go back to back. I love it. I love it. We will see what happens, man. But hey, thank you so much for hopping in with me. I I really appreciate you bringing your insights. Uh, You want to plug anything before you get out of here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, uh, Ryan, for having me on. Second year in a row. Uh, always great to do this. And uh, I want to say, too, I'm not – since we're, you know, sitting here today, I really want to congratulate you on having a great uh, great year covering the beat. Uh, I think you you did a fantastic job, and especially it's great to see your your work be on the national stage this year with the finals. So uh, congratulations with that, of course. Thank and uh, once I got a uh, big board coming out, final big board, uh, I actually got a Nuggets kind of like a recap. I wanted to recap through the years how the Nuggets got here. That's coming out, too. Um, and maybe one more draft piece, but the big board's definitely coming out tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, hope everybody tunes into the pod. Thursday's going to be a, a fun night for Nuggets fans, so we'll see what happens. Going to be a banger. Really appreciate all the love, man. And and I think it's important for us to stick together on this and continue to cultivate cultivate this Nuggets community because you know there's a lot of national folks that are about to descend on Denver and they're going to try to claim shit. Like we got we got to stick our ground. There's there's exactly. no doubt that we 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 should be able to do that. So. Should be fun, uh, but everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pick Axe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. He is at ctfazio24 on Twitter. Make sure to check out all the stuff. Uh, got a lot to talk about, uh, and I'm going to have uh, Den Vengers tomorrow. Den Vengers is tomorrow. Should be a nice wrap up for the season right before the NBA draft. Hopefully, everybody can come around for that particular episode as well. Should be very, very cool. Uh, CT, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate the time. And for everybody else, uh, hit that like button on your way out. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Thanks, everyone.